Good morning. Thank you so much for having me again here at, uh, at Scottsville at your church. And, and uh, again, if, if um, you weren't here last time I was here, my name is Toby DeHay, and I am so thankful to serve churches such as yours with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I work with church planting and church planters from uh, Paducah to Pineville, and uh, not all the way, like the whole state for Pineville, but the, uh, all the western half and then the bottom half to Pineville, so I keep the, the tires hot on the car, uh, so I appreciate you guys' cooperative program giving that keeps gas in my car and new tires on the car, as well as for the church planters who enjoy um, some funding from churches such as yours for their, for their church plants. This uh, last month, we have a, a new church in Calvert City that we just started funding, and we're so excited to be partnering with them for the next three years. So if you guys would, be in prayer for the Gathering Church. Uh, it's a small congregation right now, but they're intentionally reaching out to their community every single Sunday doing service projects in their community in the afternoons, knocking on doors, bringing people goodies, and asking for, for prayer and witnessing and evangelizing. So we're so thankful for the Gathering Church and Pastor Sean doing such a wonderful job. Uh, obviously, I'm filling in for your pastor this morning, so we won't be in Proverbs. I uh, didn't have time to read his, he didn't send me his message and, you know, and me preach his message. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 14 today. And Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. And I'd like to um, entitle this, uh, or I've entitled this message, Are You Sleeping? And uh, one, of the, one of the reasons I entitled that is, is you'll see here in just a moment in the, in the Scripture in Mark 14, 32. But it's one of the questions that I figuratively ask myself every month, uh, if not weekly. How am I doing, personally, as a disciple of His, sharing the Gospel, how am I doing, personally, as a disciple of His, in the way of uh, discipling others? Am I thinking that way? Do I wake up every day thinking, where am I going and how can I share the good news of the gospel? Who am I discipling and how can I encourage them, not only in the word and in their walk, in their Christian walk, but in how they as well may share the good news of the gospel? And we have to think contextually with that. Not all of us are evangelists. Not all of us are pastors or, in, or maybe even comfortable speaking in, in large crowds. How many would say you're here today that you're comfortable with speaking in large crowds? Yeah, I see like four hands. And you don't, you don't see mine, right? Uh, I, I do this because God has, has, uh, has asked me to and He's encouraged me to. But on my list of fears, it is public speaking followed by snakes. <laughs> I didn't hear snake over here. Did y'all hear any snake for answer? Followed by amusement parks. We went to two this summer for vacation, and uh, my wife loves those, so I love my wife. So we go to amusement parks every half decade to keep her happy. And I put a smile on my face and pack my backpack with all kind of Toby treats to keep me happy for... For the day, and so I want to ask you as we as we go through this message today, and as we go through this this scripture, that you would ask yourself, "Am I sleeping? Is there something in my life that I need to to work on evangelistically as far as uh, my walk with the Lord? Am I sleeping as far as I think I'm a Christian, but when I look at my life, I'm probably not. 
I'm really only fooling myself. I think I may be fooling other people, but I'm really only fooling myself. Or am I sleeping in the way of, I know I'm not a Christian. I'm kind of thinking about it, or maybe I'm not even thinking about it that often, but am I sleeping for eternal life? That I, When I die, I don't know, I'm physically, I'll be physically dead, but I'll be spiritually dead as well. So those are my encouragements for you today. So if you would, if you found Mark chapter 14 in your copy of God's Word, and you will, uh, you're willing and able to stand, please do so, and we'll read Mark chapter 14, 32 through 42. And I may have a different version than you, but just follow along the best, the best that you can as you go. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Then they came to a place which, is, which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon... Are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, and their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word today. And I pray that as we read through Your Word that we can see the passion that our Lord and Savior had for being alone with You. That we may do the same, whether it's in the morning, at noontime, or at night. Whether it's partial uh, portions throughout the day or it's one long chunk of time. Father, I pray that we may find the same passion in our lives to do that so that we may be, become better followers of Yours so that we may uh, understand Your uh, willingness to save that which is lost and have an urgent desire to do so. Father, we're so thankful for these gentlemen we've read about today, their example. We see that they were uh, a bit weak right here. We understand that at times we are weak. But Father, I pray that we can read words such as these and look at our lives and recognize the times that that we are weak, the times that we may be lazy or complacent, uh, that we may ask for forgiveness for those times and go forth with the gospel, with boldness, and proclaim the gospel. I'm so thankful for Scottsville, for Vacation Bible School that's coming, for their evangelizing at the local fair, and their busyness in the community. I'm thankful for the pastor here, uh, Brother G.J. Farmer, his family, and also for the love that is so evident that this church has for him and his family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. One of the things that I'm learning as I grow... In, not in Christ, but in age. Let me be uh, just frank with you. I'm 42 this year. Uh, last month I turned 42. And uh, give an amen if you can appreciate a good nap. 
I don't know what it is that when you hit a certain age, I don't know, I don't remember what it was for me. It certainly wasn't this year, like all of a sudden I like a good nap. But it's getting better, right? And, and when I was a kid, man, I hated a good nap. And you know your mothers and fathers who have small children, you know the value of a good nap for your kids, even if they don't understand it and they wake up refreshed and, you know, they still won't agree with you. Man, I love a good nap. I love a good nap so much I built a hammock stand in my backyard and I used the excuse of my daughter has one of those Eno hammocks with nowhere to put it. But dad needed a place to put his hammock as well and enjoy a good nap. And it's, it's fun to enjoy a good nap, to get some rest. But I wonder sometimes are we resting a little bit too much? You know, relate that to our Christian faith. Or we, do we say we need a break? from something, and sometimes we do. It's okay. I know how it is in the traditional Baptist world. Sometimes we run ourselves ragged. We'll teach Sunday school, maybe do mission friends, we'll do nursery things, and here comes vacation Bible school. And then the week after that, you're going on vacation, right? And of course, you've got all the rest of life to do, and it's okay to, to rest sometimes. But I wonder, in our excuse for rest, are we extending that a little further than we probably should, right? We, we need to get the proper rest. We, we need to, but in, as far as in our relationship with Christ and as a disciple of His, how much rest do we really need away from the gospel, away from the good news, away from being and making disciples? And you can answer that accordingly, right? You might meet with a group of guys or a group of ladies once a week and you say, you know what? We're going to take off July. All of us are on vacation. The 4th is coming, and we're going to take you that's, that's great, right? But kind of think about that. Am I, is, this, is this something that I take a break from? And we're going to look at today a few things from, from Scripture. And the first thing I want to look at, the first uh, truth or, or um, principle I want to look at today is the situation. We'll see this in verses 32 through 36. We see the situation that we have in, in Mark 14. It's here at Gethsemane that we've arrived. Uh, when I read the Gospels, everything that I read in the Gospels, you're going towards something, and that something is what? It's going towards Jesus. It's going, but it's, it's going towards what specifically in the Gospels? Jesus is doing everything that he does to get where? To get to the cross. To get right to the cross. And that's where we're going. And so we finally arrived here at Gethsemane, right? So we have at Gethsemane, we have his prayer, we have the soldiers come, we have the illegal trial, and we have his brutal, brutal crucifixion. So we finally arrive at Gethsemane. So it's here that Jesus prays prior to his crucifixion and his death. And friends, he knows this. Can, can you imagine knowing something terrible has happened? I think about if we knew our, our time of our death, how would we behave in our lives? Some of us would go plumb crazy, right? We would just act a fool, wouldn't we? Some of us would completely shut down. Others, others of us might have that near-death experience or whatever, and we actually live life to the fullest. My uh, evangelism professor at seminary at Midwestern when he was 19, he was uh, working, I don't know, a garbage route or, or something. And his truck got stuck on some train tracks. I can't remember if he stopped there or was trying to beat it or, or what it was. Uh, and the train hit the, hit the truck. 
And he had, he lived, of course he lived and had a year's worth of rehab. And in that rehab time where he was basically doing nothing but getting well, he looked upon his Christian life. And as a, his father was a pastor and missionary in France, and I think a professor at one of the large seminaries, began to look at his life and question his Christianity. And I kind of wonder, would we, would we do this if we knew this? And Jesus is experiencing that. In one of the Gospels, it accounts that he sweat, and he sweat what? He sweat blood. I can't remember if I shared this with you last time I was here, but uh, my family is not here. I, they're going in separate ways today, so we couldn't all, all be together. Uh, but I, my wife is a nurse. She teaches nursing at Western, and when we were first married, she's going through nursing school. I said, honey, it's, it says it right here, so it's possible but does that happen outside of Scripture? And she says, yes, it, your body can become so under such a load of stress that your capillaries can burst and blood can come out in your sweat. She said, I've seen that in the hospital. It's quite amazing that that would happen. So it's here that he prays, and he's asking his friends, watch with me, pray with me. It's here that he invites his closest disciples to follow him. It's here that he asks them to sit quietly while he's with his Father. It's here that Jesus ends one part of his ministry and is about to start another for our sake so that we may walk with him, share the good news of the gospel at Vacation Bible School and at the fair, and be disciples every day and not just one or two days a week. I want you to notice a couple things about Mark's gospel. The number one thing that I is always impressed when I read Mark's gospel is the word immediately. Does anybody else see that when you're reading through Mark's gospel? That word is everywhere when you're reading Mark's gospel. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. And I'm not going to read these verses, but I want to point out some verses just in Mark chapter 1 so you can see, for those of you who have not seen this before, how prevalent this is. Mark chapter 1. We see the word immediately in verse 10. We see the word immediately in verse 12, 18, 20, 21, 28, 31, and 42. Y'all, Mark's in a hurry to get somewhere, isn't he? When I read the Gospel of Mark, sometimes I have to stop myself and think, am I out of breath? Right? You can't, I can't just stop at chapter, I've got to go to chapter 2. He's got, he's got a purpose for this. Right? Immediately, Mark's word usage gives evidence of a fast pace of his gospel. And it shows the intention of Jesus' mission to show that he's the Savior, provide evidence through his miracles, minister to the, to the sick and the lost sheep of Israel. Whenever you read the Gospel of Mark, you see do, 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 like that. And then it just kind of ends, right? And you're like, whoa, what just happened? I've got to get a little more of this. Let me go deeper into this. Friends, do we live with such an urgency with the Gospel that we might think immediately I'm making my coffee, I'm eating my breakfast, and when I leave today, I have to share the good news with somebody. When I leave here, I've got to fill my tank up with gas because it won't make it to Bowling Green. When I see somebody at the gas station, do I have compassion for them to where I would share the gospel with them immediately, or do I just think, that's, I'm in Scottsville, that's y'all's job. I, I preached a solid message on this, and y'all can hit all the folks, right? And y'all are thinking that about me, too. You drive throughout the state, why don't you do it? 
My old mentor, he passed away last year, he actually calculated that for me. And he said, Toby, I've calculated the population of Kentucky, and I figure by if, if you die at age 80, you can reach the entire state by yourself. And I thought, well, he's being a little facetious, but he was dead serious. If you reach X amount of people per week and you live from, that was, I was 41 at the time, 41 till age 80, you have half your life left, you alone can reach the entire state of Kentucky by yourself and still sleep and eat and enjoy the Red Sox baseball. That was a little frightening. A little indictment on myself. And then kind of, you probably feel the same thing, right? Wait a minute. Does that apply to me as well? Do we have the urgency? And then we look at Mark's gospel and we see the phrase in our passage today, troubled and deeply distressed. This indicates the trouble that Jesus alone faced in the garden. You notice what his friends did in the garden? What did they do? They fell asleep, right? If they were like me, it took them about 40 seconds. My wife, it takes her, I don't know how long, because that takes me 40 seconds to go to sleep. She's always like, I hear you snore. I don't snore. She's like, yes, you do. I hear you snoring 40 seconds into laying down. It's here in the garden that he recognizes he must win this through prayer. The victory comes through prayer. The question I have on this is, do we understand that having a passion to share the good news with the lost comes with compassion for those who are separated from him? Do we want to witness only to people who look like us, who act like us, who dress like us and drive cars like us? Or do we have a compassion for all people who are separated from the good news of the gospel? Do you know how I, when I look at somebody, I test whether they're not a believer or not? Anybody? If they're looking at me and they're breathing, I think they're lost. Right? Is that an easy way to, to, to think about if someone's lost or not? Right? If I witness to you and you're saved, and I just think you're lost, you'd tell me that you're born again. You'd be excited, probably, that I'm sharing with you. Amen? Hopefully. And I'd go, oh, they're, they're saved. Right? And then I can go to step two. Let me, let me encourage you in the way of discipleship. But man, if you don't answer a solid gospel question with a solid gospel answer... I just, I don't care where you're going to church. I don't care who mama is. I don't care what kind of big Bible you got. I just think you're lost and I'm going to share the gospel with you. Right? I don't care what kind of, I've got people that say I was baptized in such and such, such and such church. I'll say amen. And then just start sharing the gospel. And that's a pretty good way to do it. We see Jesus' request of his disciples in verse 32. He says, sit here while I pray. The Greek in this command implies intent for this purpose. There's a purpose involved with this. Some commentaries I read said they want him to watch for guards and watch for the soldiers to come. And other guys say to sit and watch means to sit and watch and pray with me. I'm going to pray over here while you guys gather together and pray here. Right? It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that these are his guys. These are his disciples. He has something for them to do. And can they do that thing? Whether it's to watch for the soldiers or it's to watch and pray. In verse 34, he told them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Think about what was about to happen to our Lord and Savior. He wanted some of his closest followers to be with him. When I'm really sick, 
I told my last church I was pastoring, when I'm really sick, I don't, don't come and visit me, please. Uh, it's just me. I'm weird like that. I want my wife and maybe my mom and my mother-in-law. That's it. Maybe because, I don't know, I'm not saying I'm mama's boy. Right? But I want, I, that's what I want. Right? Call me or text me or something like that. Uh, Jesus asked his guys to be with him. He was being made sin for us. He was being made a curse for us. And he has his three closest guys. Jesus' request of the Father in verse 36. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Note the intimacy he relates here to God the Father using the word Abba. It's a child and father relationship. Do we have that relationship with God the Father or is it more of like a Santa Claus type relationship where we just go to him and ask for stuff? Do we have a relationship with Jesus or is it maybe just book knowledge? Are we relying on our pedigree or our degree or relying on who he is and what we, he's done for us and that relationship that we have with him? And I'm afraid far too many Baptists err on this side, that we know correct theology, that we want to dabble in that and, and kind of correct folks, rather than on the side of the Holy Spirit where we can rest in the fact that He has us and we can have a personal close relationship with Him. I'm not saying go chuck all this, but I'm saying that if He's our God, we're His kids, we're His children. So number one, we saw the situation. In verse 37 through 40, we see our struggle with the situation. In verse 37, he's, he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not even watch one hour? To understand, we can go back to verse 29 in chapter 14, 29 through 31. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus said to him, Assured, assuredly, I say to you today that uh, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And here's Peter boasting. And friends, we do the same thing, don't we? We boast in things. He said more vehemently in verse 31, if we have to die with you, we won't deny you. And then we see Peter doing what? Man, he, he bolts, right? He takes off. He denies Jesus. And friends, we're just as boastful. We do the same thing. Uh, we know that Christian who boasts about they haven't missed a Sunday service in 30 years. I don't know why people can't make a church. I ain't missed a service in 30 years. I think, well, I'm glad you've been there for 30 years, but then that sounds a little boastful. Uh, I used to go to church with a family that would go, to, and I'm not saying to not do this. On vacation, they found a, a church to go to, which is good. But it's not that they found a church to go to on vacation, but they would come back shaming people who didn't. And, friend, that's, that's, not, that's not okay. That's, that's boastful. We, I know friends who brag about not only their degrees from their seminary, but where they got them, right? Because their place is better than yours, right? We can boast about anything, can't we? I'll boast about my Red Sox, but they've not been doing so well. In verse 39 through 40, be on the watch for laziness and complacency. He went and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep for their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer. It was 10 or 11 at night. Y'all, they were tired. They'd been walking all day. 
right? Can you all sit here and watch and wait? And then there's a dude like me who sits down at night for 40 seconds, and guess what? He gone. He's asleep. Maybe they hadn't been sleeping all that well. We don't know, but their Lord and Savior asked them, watch and pray. And friends, he has asked us to do the same. There are times to take a break, but when we look at our lives and we see we've been on perpetual break, there's something wrong with that. We go home, we turn the TV on, don't we? And we watch, we, te- we tend to watch one episode and we, we're, next thing we know, we're four deep. Or we're going to watch one Mousetrap Monday video on YouTube that I like to watch and next thing I know, I'm two hours into Mousetrap Monday just taking a, bre- a break. Friends, I don't want to hurt anybody right now, but I want to pick on two groups that are here. This will pretty much get us all. And so I'd, I'd like to, to do this in such a way that is kind of graceful, but kind of not, just to kind of open our eyes to this. The two groups of people that we have are uh, older folks and younger folks, right? And I can pick on, younger, or on older folks today because I'll get done preaching and I'm going to leave. And I can pick on younger folks today because I'm pretty quick and I'm going to quit done preaching here and I'm going to leave. But listen to what I have to say, okay? Older folks, senior adults, don't use the excuse of being a senior to stop you from serving Jesus. There's no retirement from Christianity. Listen to what Mark Clifton from North American Mission Board says. He said, both presidential candidates in 2016 were over the age of 70. I'm hurling towards the age of 60 and have more to do than ever. Why do so many churches treat anyone over 55 as a golden ager who needs to be entertained and treated like a child? Don't just entertain them. Challenge them to be working for the kingdom. My mentor passed last year. He was 79 years old. He had MS. And that man witnessed like it was his job. It was crazy. It was absolutely amazing. Friends, our senior adults should be leading the way in evangelism and discipleship for the younger adults. And if you want to put blame on any generation, put it on your generation. Your generation, whatever generation it is, is the one that needs to be discipling and discipling the younger generation. Younger people, let me pick on you. Please don't use the excuse that your family is young and that you're busy with activities outside the church family to get you off the responsibility wagon. Uh, Friends, I was married at age 19. My wife was 18. We had our firstborn at 21 and our last child at 23. Our kids did everything that we did. If we could stay up at night to watch TV until 9 o'clock, they could come with us at church and be done at 8. I just, I'm 42. I finished my last degree at 41. I started at 23. I was going to school the entire time of my children's lives coaching softball, going to their school activities, pastoring, and church planting. So you won't get a lot of sympathy from me. Uh, Young people, don't let those excuses stop you from discipling, witnessing, and leading your family well. We saw our situation. We saw our struggle with the situation. And I want to close with the gravity of our situation in verses 41 and 42. Jesus comes a third time. And finds them asleep in verses 41 and 42. He said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It's enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Arise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. The gravity of the situation is that Jesus 
called his closest ones to watch and pray with him, knowing that his time to do that which had come, had come. As followers of his, we know that all people get physical death due to the sinful nature. We die because of sin. But do we really understand that when we see people out, that that person is probably lost and in need of a Savior? That person is probably apart from Christ, that when they die, they're going to hear the most terrifying words there ever were. Apart from me, you evildoer, I never knew you. And we can't say that we were a member of Scottsville, that we were baptized, that our pastor was a, a wonderful man. Whatever it is that we're going to use, we cannot do that. Are we still sleeping? Regardless of age, if Jesus came today, will he find us sleeping? Are we evangelizing and making disciples? Older Christians, not older people, older Christians, are you discipling somebody else? Have we become lazy and complacent in our walk with the Lord? Sometimes we need a shot in the arm. And Vacation Bible School can be that shot in the arm where we get excited. Kids are excited to hear the good news of the gospel. You know who else is excited to hear the good news of the gospel? People who don't know it. Adults want to hear the good news of the gospel. Senior adults want to hear the good news of the gospel. The gravity is here. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In 6.23, we see the wages of sin is death. Friends, we have earned death. Are you saying I'm a bad person? Yes. Yep. You're not that good. Our righteousness is found in Christ and Christ alone. But the good news is in Romans 5a, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we are still sinners, while we are still not good people, while we are still bad folks, Christ died for us. Friends, have you put your faith in Jesus? Going back to Mark, Mark 1.15, he says, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repent and believe the gospel. If you're here today and you're born again and you think, man, I've been sleeping a little bit, I want to encourage you to get energized. Have some passion for lost people that leads to compassion for them. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for this time. I'm thankful for Scottsville Baptist, for the love that they have for you. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they might not wait till this week at Vacation Bible School to be saved. They might not wait until their, the outreach event to ask somebody at the fairgrounds how to be saved. But today they may find somebody and ask, how do I know this Jesus? How do I have all of my, my sins forgiven? Father, I pray that they would come today and come to know you. Father, I pray for our believers here today that we may not be sleeping. We see urgency for evangelism and for discipleship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.